When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the wheelhouse. You can see the confidence build day by day, and there is an electricity to his personality on the field that's really hard to look away from. Starring Jerry Depoto. And Jerry Depoto to the plate with the 2-2 pitch to Alex. Swing and a miss. He struck him out on the fastball. With Aaron Goldsmith. And now chapter three is, yeah, he's a real ball player. He's an impactful player. He can do a ton for your team. And this is a guy that can really help to solidify a big league lineup. And Gary Hill Jr. He seems along those lines where he wants to be great and does everything possible to go get it. It's time for the wheelhouse. Here's Aaron. It's hard to think of a better time to wheelhouse than right now. Aaron Goldsmith, Gary Hill, Jerry DePoto from the home radio booth here at T-Mobile Park before the homestand begins. Game one against the Kansas City Royals. Jerry, we predicted this would happen, Jerry. Way back in April and May, When it was win a game, lose a game, we said, Jerry, just wait till after the trade deadline. And it's all happening. We predicted it, Jerry. That's when it'll come together. That's what this (laughs) podcast is all about. It's seeing into the future. It's been remarkable, Jerry, what has been happening with the Mariners. You know, I I said this not too long ago, maybe a week or two ago. If you would have told me, you know, August 15th, August 20th, August uh, August 25th, this is where you're going to be in the standings last December in February in spring training, I would have said, oh, perfect. If you would have told me how we were going to get here, <laughs> you know, I, I may have opted for a different road. You know, it, it, we certainly took the long way around, and, and, and it's been a rough road. And I say all that, and part of the reason why we're in the position we're in is, A, we have super talented players that, that really have found themselves and collectively found themselves. They found their personality, which is, I think, what we talked about on our last wheelhouse. And the other thing is we never allowed ourselves to sink too deep. And I, I heard somebody say this many years ago. It's uh, Hal McRae was, was talking about hitting. And he said, the, you know, as, as you maintain numbers, and, I, and I'm, I'm riffing here, I'm just summarizing his thought, to maintain your numbers, the one thing you have to do along the way is you just have to take your walk. You know, and if you take your walk, then when you look up and you get on your hot streak and, and, and you get on your, you, you go 12 for 25 or whatever it is, because the great hitters are going to have those runs. And along the way, you took your walks. Now your, your OPS, your overall productivity looks like it's supposed to look because you kept moving the, the, the lineup, so to speak. And we were doing that. You know, we found a way to take our walk all year long, even though it was one up, one down, two up, two down. We never got too far away from from what we are. And then, boom, you know, the, the offense really took off over the course of the last two months, especially in August. The pitching staff's been good throughout. We just kept taking our walks. And then we got on our hot streak. And, you know, to Scott's credit, Scott has said all along, he said, you know, teams that have special seasons, 90-win teams, 100-win teams, whatever it is, they don't go out there and, and win 60% of the games month by month. You know, they do it in this type of way. You, you hover 500 for a month of two or month of two, and then you get on one real hot streak, and that's where you gain your separation. And that's what we've done. 
Yeah, this hot streak is something else. I, I was looking back a month ago, so July 24th. Mariners lost to the Twins 50-50 at 100 games, right? And since then, 21-6. and six. And what I almost think is almost the most impressive, those six losses by a total of eight runs. This stretch has been in every game, winning the vast majority of them. What has been the key to put it together in your mind in this run? I don't think the pitching has changed much. Our starting pitchers have been outstanding, truly, since opening day. Just awesome. They continue to be. The bullpen hasn't wavered. Actually, the bullpen's gotten a little stronger, oddly enough. They've been fabulous all year long. And, you know, I think the the rise of some of the guys that we weren't counting on or expecting, guys like Justin Topa or Gabe Spire, who we had a ton of interest in in the offseason and we had hopes for, they have done incredible jobs. You know, the, the way Matt Brash has acclimated to his first full season as a reliever, what we've gotten out of, of Sauce has been awesome. You know, he's, he's been terrific in, the, in our pen. Generally, they've been great throughout. We, we did trade Paul at the trade deadline. And, you know, really, the guys have just picked it up and moved along. The big thing that really moved our, our one loss needle was the fact that one through 13 on the position player side, I like to tell you it's the lineup. Every single one of our offensive players either started playing like they play. You know, they found who they are and started playing to, to their standards. And our role players really, I, I will say this, the, the acquisitions of Jock Rojas, Dom Canzone, and the promotion of Cade Marlowe right before the deadline and then into the deadline, they've been good. What it has allowed the other guys to do has been phenomenal. So, you know, Julio's been the best version of Julio you're ever going to see. He's awesome. I don't want to say you're ever going to see. You'll see this year, I guess. He's just 22. <laughs> uh, you know, Gino's being Gino, and Ty France has gotten back to doing Ty France, and this is the best we've seen Teo in, a, in an extended run for a couple of months now. You know, but the, the big thing is Dylan Moore and Jose Caballero and, and Josh Rojas and, and, like I said, Marlo Canzone. It's, what they've been able to do is they let Dylan go do what Dylan does against the lefties mm -hmm. without having to get exposed too much against the righties. And, and maybe even more, you know, I guess, is, the, is what it allows Cabby to do. He can come out and he can pinch run. He can start at second base against a lefty. He can play shortstop when JP's out gives you so much versatility and you know and when cal's hitting a couple of homers every other day and and you know gino's doing what he does and jp we missed him for for seven days but otherwise he has been terrific everybody's clicking offensively and it's been a blast what is it that you have seen from julio that has allowed him to go on this absolute bender like he has uh you know a couple of things one i think he relaxed a little bit he was putting and we've talked about this he put so much pressure on himself in the in the early part of the season like players do and and especially in his case he's he's got the baseball world watching him we've got the all-star game in seattle it is a foregone conclusion or even an expectation that he would be present for it that's a lot of pressure for any player but especially a player who's just a sophomore, you know, and he's trying to figure it out. And and uh, and I think once we got on the other side of the All-Star break, he made a physical adjustment down in the cage with J.D. and Tony working a couple of days. And, and I think this was when we were in Minnesota uh, that they really found it and it clicked for him. 
he just stopped sinking into his legs as much as he was before. And, and I really think it improved his bat path and timing. You know, he's in the zone longer. And what he's able to do from pole to pole is just so much more relaxed and athletic in the batter's box. And, and it's made a huge difference. Uh, and he's always had the, the physical tools to go crazy for a while. And But I think this is a combination of events that allowed crazy to be insane. You know, he's <laughs> he's been, I, I mean, as good as I've ever seen a player play the last couple of weeks he's been awesome as someone who loves and appreciates the history of the game that four game stretch was 17 hits i was looking at think about all the great hitters we've seen in the game and i was looking at five game stretches for some of the best ichiro his best five game stretch was 16 hits and tony Gwynn, his best was 14 hits in five games ted williams was 13 garrig was 15 hank aaron was 14 you go down the list and it's all I mean, those are great stretches, but 17 in four games. I can't get over what a ridiculous thing we just saw. And it wasn't just the hits. It was the types of hits. It was the, the when he was getting the hits. It was huge moments. It's a big home run off of Carlos Hernandez. It's punching a ball through the right side to score key runs. It's extra base hits. It's stolen bases. It's why we gave him Monday off when we got to <laughs> Chicago. Is You know, we're flying over to Chicago, and – Hey, we gotta let him take a break. It's and it's he was hotter than the sun, and we wanted to keep him on the field. But the way he was running around for that series in Kansas City, and even the time leading up to it, my gosh, it was unbelievable what he was doing. And and for that, let's call it, you know, four seven games, and 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 those two stops to start the road trip. Who knows how much mileage he put on his wheels? I, I'll kick one in for you, Gary. I, in 1997, I, I spent the 97 season in Colorado where we had Larry Walker I, I have maybe one of the best seasons I've ever seen a player have. He, he wins the batting championship. He's in contention for the Triple Crown well into the season. He's hitting 400 the All-Star break or thereabouts. Had 49 homers, drove in 130 or whatever it was. And Julio was just better <laughs> for these last seven days. And, and it's, a, it's just amazing to think about how good that is. My favorite number from those four days. Uh, during those four games, he accumulated 1.1 F4 in those four <laughs> days. And I was looking at that as, okay, what's the context here? Jonathan India at the time was a 1.1 player for the season. Yoshida from Boston. Good players. He was 1.1 for the season. And Julio, in four days, because it wasn't just the hits, as you point out, like he's stealing every base. Right. His defense in center field was phenomenal. He was doing all these things at maximum. It's incredible. Yeah. I, I hope it starts up again tonight. You know, we <laughs> yes. pick up where we left off. Hey, you know, since you brought up the defense for Julio, the the eye tells you he's a great defensive center fielder. The advanced metrics this year in particular second that. When you talk about the gold glove, there is a lot of just, wow, when I look at him in the booth from, from the press box, right? And then there is the metric side of things, which I think we all can agree. I think, Jerry, that um, the advanced defensive metrics are interesting and can be uh, correct. There's also maybe some wiggle room there, depending on what you're looking at and what position. When you look at that position in particular, center field, what tells you to your eye, hey, that's a gold glove I'm watching out there? First, I think his routes right now, 
are so clean. You know, the, the precision that he's running his routes, you don't see him waver too often. You know, there's there's no banana. He's not, he, he is running directly to a point and he's running as clean a route as you can, which makes the plays he's making look so much easier than they actually are. Uh, you know, up to and including that the, the ball, the homer to right center field that Velasquez hit for, for Kansas City in Kansas City when he slammed into the fence on that windy day. He had that nailed. It, the wall just got in the way. The, the route was awesome. You know, and, and, I, I, and, and on a day where you just can't pick it up, the wind's blowing, it's really pushing to right field. So I, his, his breaks, his routes have just been phenomenal. You know, I, I think there's Julio has a really good arm, so that helps him. He's going to get some arm love in the, with the metrics. But in general, he's done everything you can do defensively. He goes back well, he comes in well, and he's particularly gifted in the routes he runs in the gaps, which is where I think he makes the most hay. In and back, there are a lot of center fielders that can do that. You know, there are a number of center fielders through the course of time that can outrun the gaps a little bit, but they don't have, you know, precision in their route running. He has elite-level speed, elite-level route running, and right now the, the, the jumps he's getting, the instinct when they hit the ball is just different level. And he's played such a good – there's zero thought in my mind that he won't win a gold glove. I, I think he should be a candidate for the platinum glove. It, it almost is a disservice to him because it robs him of – a lot of highlight catches, right? Like the name that comes to my mind immediately is Jim Edmonds, right? Like Jim set up the diving catch, like maybe better than anybody in the last X number of years. Julio, we don't see a ton of the leaving the feet, but it's more to your point of, man, he covered a ton of ground and made that look a lot easier than I think that probably was. 100%. I, the number of balls, and I, even in the Houston series, again, the mileage that he put on the, you know, on, a, on his chassis during that series, the, the balls that he went back on and, you know, in center field, like crushed to right center field, and he just cruises to them. And, and you're thinking, wow, those are gifts, man. I, there's, there's probably not a better series to watch than the one we just finished with the White Sox. As they, they, to me, the other guy in this league that, that has that type of combination is, is Luis Robert. And, you know, to watch the two of them playing center field like that toe-to-toe was uh, pretty amazing. And, and you know, it, it was worth the wait because I think they both made it fun. You mentioned the route running, too. I think is especially impressive with the context of Julio. You know, he hadn't played a lot of center field. He, you know, he was pretty new to that position. You would never know it by watching him, though. We've talked about this before, and this dates back to, to really the pandemic year and the work that Julio did first on his body, then with a, a private sprint coach that, that he worked with for the better part of two years to, to increase his running speed by changing his running his, you know, his stride changed. You know, he, he changed his body type, truly. He, he, he came back leaner, more athletic, and a lot faster than he was when he left. And, you know, and if you ever had a doubt that, that he could play center field, and, and he played center field dating back to the day we signed him, in, you know, many or I, I guess most months of his, of his minor league journey. But frankly, we do that with many of our outfielders you know we, we want them to experience all three of the positions because it better prepares you for what comes in the big leagues where you might be the best center fielder on that team at a given point in time or as the extra you have to be able to handle those positions 
you know, Julio signed as a center fielder. He got a lot of work in the corners. If we were betting when he was 16, 17, 18 years old, we were bet on a corner outfielder. By the time he showed up in spring training 2022, no question he was going to be a center fielder, and you could see it in the first week of workouts, just all the work that he put in. And it was, it was self-made. He did it himself. That's remarkable. I'm glad we did it. That was not planned by any means, but I'm, I'm glad we talked his defense a little bit yeah. because that it can be overshadowed clearly by the bat. And, and you're right. He's been one of the best defenders in baseball this year. We could year. go another 15 minutes on his base <laughs> run, too. Yeah, <laughs> you're right about that. He's got more steals than uh, anyone in the month of August, uh, including, I think, 10 teams. <laughs> so he's running wild, too. Well, he's on base all the time. Yeah, so well, that, that really helps. helps a lot. Yeah, that you helps. see that graphic that popped up, by the way, of uh, Julio out hitting the Yankees for a four-game stretch? <laughs> yes. I thought it was phenomenal. Well, just, just, uh, I mean, I know you and Brian Cashman are very you're good texting friends. Did you screenshot that and text it to Cashman? I did not. <laughs> I did not. But, you know, I, I, I think the, the, the baseball world is, is aware of the things that Julio does, and I think that became pretty mainstream when it went out there. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, even I... Uh, who, who don't spend a whole lot of time on Twitter is, uh, is it got to my desk. You know, I, I said, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. I so when I first saw it, I, I sent it to Gary and my text said, you might want to double check this. And sure enough. Yep. That's right. That's real. <laughs> yeah. How yeah. about that? Uh, hey, let's talk a little bit about the status of the race right now. Again, as we were recording this, it's before game one of the homestand game one against Kansas city. So a lot can change by the time you are hearing this. Uh, but, it is wild what is happening right now. The Mariners are a game outside of first place. They're currently holding one of the wild card spots. And yet there's still so much left, right? So much length in the season. You've got a monster road trip coming up. You've got a lot of the Astros, the Rangers, the back end, a series at home against the Dodgers as well. I mean, it seems like there are so many possibilities here, Jerry. How are you viewing Obviously, the great news of where your ball club is right now, but just kind of how you're forecasting this thing out. Well, I think it's awesome that we made ourselves relevant in this race and, and that now we control our own destiny. You know, it's, it's up to us what happens from here. And, and that's a great spot to be in as we get close to September. You know, I did see something on the MLB network the other day, a, a breakdown of, of the, you know, our move into playoff contention. And I, I, I believe the, the reference was, you know, we've, we've got a, you know, the, the Mariners have a really soft schedule in September so they could re really make a move here. And I'm thinking, Man, I, I don't know if you've looked at our schedule in September, but it's not particularly soft. You know, we've got we've got a, a pretty rough uh, last two weeks of the season, especially. But um, you know, our team's played so well, and the momentum that we created to get here is you know that tends to carry you. We do have a young team. We have a very emotional team, and when they go good, it's this. It, it looks like this, where it's fun and everything's clicking. We can beat anybody because our pitchers on that given day can beat anybody. And when our offense is doing the things it's doing right now, it's electric. I couldn't be happier for the position we put ourselves in. We do still have a lot of ground to cover. You know, it's uh, the season's got nearly six weeks left or I guess five weeks left and you know we've got some challenges in front of us that next road trip is going to be a chore but I I love where we're at our depth is we are as deep as we've ever been in in my time with the Mariners our pitching staff is throwing as well as it's ever thrown you know right now we're strong the 
knock on wood, you don't know what's going to happen with injuries. But, you know, it's a, I love the way we're set up. We have lefts and rights. Our platoon matchups are as, as refined as they've ever been. And, and somewhere, you know, as we get closer to September, we have the potential of adding guys back that can, can really help in that right-left swing. Guys like Hags and, and JK uh, who have the chance to join us, Tom Murphy coming back. That It just makes us an even better team. And, um, you know, it's, it's exciting to be where we're at right now. Speaking of injuries, unfortunately, you've lost Hancock now. And there was talk of six-man rotation. Where do you see your pitching staff now here, at least until September, where you can add the extra arm? You know, we, we had always intended to go with the six-man rotation. We talked about it a lot. And uh, obviously, we called up Emerson. Our, our intention was to do it the week after we did it. You know, and, and we had to jump start it a little sooner than we wanted uh, because Brian Wu uh, went down on the IL. And in the time since, you know, we did – obviously, we lost Emerson. That changes things in our mind. We still have enough uh, what we think experience at AAA with guys like Adam Aller or Tommy Malone. Uh, now the recently picked up Luke Weaver, who's on the big league staff, uh, who we feel could step in and, and continue the idea of that six-man rotation. But having talked through it uh, just this last couple of days with Scott and with Woody and Trent, I think the, the better way for us is we're just going to take it day by day with these starters. You probably will see us at some point skip a start with, with Brian Wu uh, just to try to manage his innings because he's the one who's in, in a place he's never been before in terms of collecting innings and, and coming off of, you know, a, a, a pretty severe surgery uh, when he entered the organization and a little bit of a scare here lately with, with some forearm tightness. So just want to be as smart as we can with, with Wu. And uh, he's throwing the ball great. He threw the ball great in Chicago the other day, uh, especially from the second inning on. I thought he looked just like Brian Wu. And, and uh, you know, we're not really concerned about where he is from a health perspective, but we do want to make sure we're managing the next however many years of Brian's career and doing the right thing for him. So, you know, big picture, we may skip a start. We may shorten some depending on how he's feeling. But, you know, the other four guys, we're going to allow them to stay on turn and do their thing because once we get into September, like yesterday, we do have a series of off days on Thursdays that are going to allow us to go six days between the starts without having to manipulate it with a six starter. So, you know, we'll drop a spot start in there someday. Uh, you might see a bullpen day. Um, oh, yes. Once, maybe twice. <laughs> yes, but Jerry. That's, a, that's about the extent of how we're going to try to manage it. I mean, even if you're not calling the game, Jerry, when you roll into the ballpark on a bullpen day, aren't you kind of like, I know, we got to do it. <sighs> bullpen day. I like when it happens organically. <laughs> I will say it was like it was no treat on Sunday in Houston when when Emerson can't yeah. go out and post for the third inning. Our bullpen did a phenomenal job of of kind of bringing that one into the dock. And it's uh, I guess if you're going to do bullpen day, uh, and and again it's probably only once, maybe twice as we get into September. If you're going to do it. It's ideal to do it when the roster has expanded and we can add that extra arm. And, you know, part of the reason why we have always uh, liked, and it dates back a couple of years now, why we've always liked Luke Weaver is we have, we have always considered him to be a candidate for what you saw the other day in Chicago. Hey, shorten him up once through the lineup and we'll focus on these pitches. He sat down with Woody and Trent the day he got in. 
here's what we see. And, you know, I, I, we jokingly said to our pitching guys, hey, if that's what you were able to do with one conversation, <laughs> <laughs> the bar just got raised exponentially. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty great. Would you want to start a bullpen game? Uh, hmm. Me personally? Yeah, yeah. If you were, if you were still pitching and bullpen games were a thing, yeah, would I think, you yeah, I, think I would. Okay, would, I think you, I would, would you run in from the bullpen? Uh, yes, I know I would. I, I I didn't like coming out of the dugout when you were coming out of the dugout, and I, and I pitched in an era where you did throw multiple innings in relief fairly frequently, even as a leverage guy. But yeah, I, I would like to do it, and and I might even like to throw it. You know, I I threw one change up in my major league career, and I threw two curveballs. Neither one of the the curveballs ended particularly well for me, and the change up. <laughs> I think set an all-time record for length of home run at first field at the time. So, <laughs> Who hit it? Uh, um, Ray Lankford hit the home run. Yes. Uh, it was it was to the purple seats in, uh, oh. in what was then the purple row at, at Coors Field. Now, is that like that tells you how high you are? Yeah, yeah. It's a mile high. Yeah, mile high. So yeah. he hit it a mile high. That's fantastic. And, um, That's who? And your catcher called for the changeup? I mean, you weren't like, yeah, hey, Jeffrey, I, I want to throw a, a changeup Jeffrey was my, my catcher. I had a really rough time with Ray Langford. You don't and say. I, yeah. <laughs> and I really knew that I had a rough time with Ray Langford. And, and uh, you know, I'm in a long at bat with him. And, and Jeff Reed, our catcher, ran out. And he said, he said, hey, throw me one of those changeups. If it's a strike, it's a strike. There's no way he's expecting it. If it's not, at least it gets him off your fastball. I said, all right, I'll give it a shot. I threw the change up and <laughs> I said, all right, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> but but I might, you know, as a, as a starter, you got to feel yourself, man. Yeah. You know, throw the curveball, flip a couple of change ups in there. <laughs> I'd work on a splitter if I were you. Splitter and a change up, why not? Uh, while we're talking bullpen for a second, I got to say, we, Gary, I'm speaking on behalf of Gary. Yes, myself. please do. Oh, we, yeah. we do that freely. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. This year in particular, pre-trade deadline, I don't think Gary and I had a better sense of what Scott was going to do in the bullpen innings 6, 7, 8, 9, if the game dictated, than we ever have. Like, it was, like, you knew, you knew the moves Scott was going to make. You knew who was going to get hot. You knew when they were going to come in. I got to tell you, man, my success rate post seawall deal <laughs> i'm like a 75 percent hit right now and we were running like a 98 yeah. before it is he's really had to uh manage it differently now and piece it together and i think obviously the bullpen management has become one of his great strengths he's got great relievers he's used them very well historically but it it has been noticeably different for those who watch uh, with those kind of eyes when they watch the back half of a mariners game it has for me too, uh, you know, and, and I think it has for Scott. And, and, you know, obviously we do our bullpen management meeting every day and, and we have a really good idea going into that game or what we're trying to play to. And this is going to sound really unusual, but for the last month when you win every day and when you don't win, it's a one-run game, mm -hmm. you're using those leverage guys over and over and over and you're just beating them up. And that, that's it's one of the downsides of playing the type of baseball we're playing right now, which is great ball. But you're you're running those guys out there so frequently. So what the casual observer who's watching, you know, a, a, a game might be thinking, ah, here's what service should do and, and piece it together in this way. Yeah. But Matt Brash has thrown in three out of five and Justin Tope has thrown four out of six and Gabe Spire has been in three in a row and Sauce has thrown six innings in the last three days. 
and and you're trying to manage that and typically you have an opportunity to take a like take a breather when when the club is in a down by four game or you just you you can give the ball to somebody and let them chew up some length you know somebody who might be a little further back in your pen or not part of that leverage group we really haven't had that luxury because, you know, even just this month, I, I don't know. Have we lost a game that's not extra innings? <laughs> it feels right. like every game no, we I play mean, is. That's just, the thing. Those six, those six losses by eight total runs. Yeah, it's I been mean, crazy. And yeah, extras late. Close. Yeah. It's, it's All, getting, you know, a lot of the guys. You've leverage guys, I think, in every one of those because it's been those kind of games where you had a chance to win. Every one of them, and 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 you you run, and and the the players. Part of how we got to this point is the players. They want to run too, and yeah. you know. But at some point, like we did through the Chicago series, I just you got to give somebody a break. Just, hey, give Matt a break. He needs. He's been running hard. He pitched big outs in big situations frequently over the course of the last month, and we want to have him for the next month. So we we got to make sure that we take care of those guys, and you know so. Some nights, all of those guys might not be available to Scott. So he's trying to piece it together without telling the other club, hey, Matt Brash isn't available tonight. <laughs> so, you know, you want everybody to be on their toes believing that all your guys are available. But on a given night, you know, I think we played one game on this road trip where we had three live relievers when the game started. And, you know, it, and that's a little ominous mm -hmm. when you're trying to get through a winning game. And, you know, fortunately on those days, like that's the day where you hope the Rock's pitching or you hope mm -hmm. George It happened is a couple of times on this yeah. trip. Castillo landed on a couple of days where it was good to have Castillo on the mound. Yeah, I, I saw Louie, you know, the on Sunday we were we were headed to, to the, the airport to, to leave um, Houston, headed for Chicago, and I gave him a fist bump and I said, you for nine tomorrow, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, it, it, shockingly, I think if we would have just let him throw, he, he may have done that. But it's uh, it, it's really balls. a testament to the, the strength of our our rotation is is right now the Rock and George and Logan are bookending our younger guys, you know, and, and therefore you never get more than one start removed from those guys who are built out and have a tendency to give you, you know, the six, seven innings each time they're out there. Since we're talking pitching, one of our favorite guys, Joel Furman. Best. Uh, what's yes. Joel's technical? What's his actual title? Also one of my favorite persons. Uh, he is our director of analytics. Okay. Well, I think I've been meaning to bring this up with Joel. I see him in the dugout currently. He's really leaning into the nerd thing hard. He always walks around, Jerry, with his Jan Sport backpack. <laughs> There's a lot going on in that I mean, backpack. What, what you want to know who's pitching the eighth? The, Grab the backpack. Is that what's in the backpack? <laughs> we got full data, and uh, we got the tablet with all the intel in there. There's a lot in that backpack. Okay. Well, we, we've, had, we've had Joel on the program, uh, various programs of ours, many a times. Mm -hmm. And I especially like it when Scott gives a little love to Joel Furman. I mean, a, a coog like Ari, and he's on the inner circle. Oh, Furman gets his name dropped yeah. frequently. Yeah, yeah, he does. For good reason. He's a star. Yeah. It's, uh, Joel's, he's so critical to what we do every day. You know, between Joel, Sam Reinerton, uh, who runs our advanced scouting, and Skyler Shibiyama, who's, uh, he, let's call Skyler, the, the Skyler and, and Joel in particular, what they do for our game strategy and, and the, you know, the insights they provide our coaches on what the other team, uh, what the strengths and weaknesses that we might be able to avoid or expose with the other team are on a given day. And I have to tell you, it's phenomenal. Like, I wish somebody would have been giving us this type of intel 30 years ago when I could do something 
physically on the field about it. <laughs> like they they do up. an awesome job. Yeah, like, uh, like <laughs> hey, don't do this. <laughs> no matter how long I know what the catcher said, don't do it. <laughs> uh, we're talking about the bullpen. Where, where is Andres Munoz right now in your eyes, Jerry? I mean, obviously he's had a, a slightly different role depending on the night post-Seawall deal. Where, where is he in your mind right now? You know, I think he's in a pretty good spot. I th Mooney went through a little run there where he had just lost the, the feel for his good slider. And, you know, he got very fastball-centric. This is, I, I don't think, you know, and, and I've I've heard the the, the stress about the, the ninth inning post-Paul Seawald trade. There's, not long ago, the ninth inning wasn't really just Paul's domain. You know, it was Paul or it was Mooney or it was Drew Steckenrider. All, you know, we've done this for years now. Mooney's always been, from the day he stepped on the field for us, like maybe June of 2022, you know, he's been in a leverage situation every time he's walked out on the mound, you know, and sometimes the most critical situations in the game. So that part of this is not new to him. There is a, a, a maturation that comes with going out to pitch the ninth inning when you are the last guy down there. You know, I, I've, I've lived this, and when you know there's no net. You know, sometimes when you come in and you're facing the best hitters and the bases loaded situation, you know, and there's two other leverage guys sitting down there, and there's, there's a net. The game's not over. There is a little bit of a, a learning curve that goes with that, but Mooney's been through it before. He's, he's pitched in these situations last year, this year. So I don't think that's new for him. I just think he lost the feel for his slider a little bit. And, you know, he, he found it. He's throwing as, as hard or harder than, than he's ever thrown. He's throwing a lot of two-seamers of late, which I think is, again, exploring the different things that are possible for him. And, you know, the, the game the other day in Chicago, he's – Went out there and punched out the side. I think he threw uh, he threw something like 80% strikes. He just happened to throw two strikes that, that hit the barrel of their bats. And and uh, I would rather him focus on process like he did. You go out, it's strike one, it's getting ahead. And uh, there's it, it's you got to do a better job of locating a two-strike pitch, pitch to Oscar Colas, and then the game might end differently. But, you know, the least of our concerns are that his physical stuff or his preparedness or his, his emotional readiness for the role is anything but exactly where we've thought it was for the last two years. Are you ready to uh, step up to the plate for a little stump, J.D.? I've never been more prepared. Okay. Uh, this, the, no change-ups here. Uh, Gary, you were saying earlier about Julio acquiring, uh, accumulating basically one. 1.1. 1.1 in, in a four-game span. Okay. Uh, Julio's uh, per fan graphs, wins above replacement currently, is just south of five. All right, it's a 4.8, which did make me think, as a 22-year-old, what is the highest, Jerry, per fan graphs, wins above replacement season for a player 22 years of age or younger? 22 years of age or younger. Ooh. Single season. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Mike Trout's 2013 season? No, sure. 2012 season. Well, as a it's funny. You just said years two and three on the all-time <laughs> leaderboard. Oh. So. <laughs> I was there. I saw yeah, it. I it was unbelievable. Right yeah, so uh, for context, Trout, wow. Trout 10.1 in 2012. That's incredible. Isn't that amazing? That, that is incredible. And then in 2013, he was just a notch better, 10.2. The winner of this is Alex Rodriguez, 1996. 10th oh. on the list. <sighs> what? What an unbelievable year. Yeah. A-Rod, 9.2. Wow. Uh, 
the total wins above replacement for this person is an outlandish 11. 11 wins above replacement. As a 22-year-old. 22-year-old. Now, 11. here's the amazing thing about this. I'm going to give you some time to mentally churn. We talk about this player and this season annually. It comes up with some regularity every year. And yet, I, I got to admit, naivete here. I guess I got so consumed by the other numbers for this player in this season, I never realized he was 22 at the time. I'm I'm gonna just fall on the sword right there and say that I was I was blindsided by this. Twenty two when he did this. Twenty two. I'm intrigued. An eleven win season yes. that we talk about we frequently. Talk frequently. Frequently spoken about twenty two year old season. All the other numbers. I mean his and historic. You're supposed to say and before you say historic. Yes, because right? of the age. All historic is yeah. kind of boo. It sounds weird. Yeah, yeah. it gets muddy. And historic season. And historic season. Well said, Gary. Gary, <laughs> Gary, Jerry. <laughs> We're all the same. Yeah, it's the same. If I told you one number from this season, you would nail it. You would, you would nail it instantly. And the longer that you turn on this, the more you're going to be like, I can't believe I didn't say that. Tell me the number. Uh, 406. Wow, Ted Williams. Oh, yes. Wow. 22. 22. That's yes. amazing. Isn't that incredible? Wow. I, I didn't, never. I didn't realize that. I didn't okay. either. Okay. Yeah. Really? All right. I feel much better now. Yeah, I have no idea. And his age 22 season. 11 wins above replacement. 11. Yeah. I bet you he wasn't run the bases like Coolio. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, uh, these are. I like this number more than the 406, actually. His strikeout rate was 4.5%. Which is amazing. <laughs> and his walk rate was 24%. When you talk about the, the great players of all time, and, and I, this is going to be a ballpark number, but, you know, Fangraph's war back-to-back -back seasons, having having put together two seasons of five wins or more uh, by the time you're 22 years old, that by itself is rare. I think there's fewer than 20 players in history that have done that. So uh, it's it's pretty phenomenal what we get to watch every day. And, you know, I, I pinch myself when I'm watching th this past road trip and, and him going berserk. And on a given day, I, I, there's, I know I'm going to give props to Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, with the Royals, who has just been on a phenomenal heater himself. And, and we, were, we spent a lot of time in our advanced meetings and in our pregame and even postgame discussions with how do we corral Bobby Witt Jr. And, and, uh, and as awesome a player as he's been, what a treat it was to watch, you know, Bobby and, yeah. and Julio on the same field, just going blow for blow. And, 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 and I was walking out winning three out of yeah. four, you know, made my personality a little better. But as a baseball <laughs> fan, you, you can't really, you know, you can't ask for more than watching great players at the top of their powers doing what they do. Is, I know we could look this up, but is Witt noticeably faster than Julio? He looks faster because of his size, but is it like the big plane versus the little plane? The big plane looks like he's going slower because it's bigger. But watching him on that inside of the parker, when he kicked it into high gear Flying. around second, it's, oh, I mean, it was, you know, it was Corbin Carroll, right? It was, it was that type of jitterbug speed. It was incredible. You know, Bobby bounces. You know, he's got, he's got like this athletic, it's, it, there's like a, a hop, a bounce to it. Julio has the, he has that power yeah. where you don't realize how quickly it's all happening. So it's, I think just different styles mm -hmm. of running. And, you know, they're both, uh, they're both really fast <laughs> is my right. conclusion. Yeah, Julio, uh, 
by pure sprint speed, 29.6, which is eight, tied for 18th in baseball. And wit is a 30.4, which is third in baseball. Uh, Dela Cruz, by the way, who we'll see on the upcoming road trip, is at leading the leaderboard at 30.6 feet per second. That freak show. Oh, my God. Him and Julio on the same field at the same time. I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be pretty cool. Uh, Jerry, this has been a lot of fun. We've covered a ton of ground, and uh, good times in Marinerland. We appreciate you carving out some time for us. Uh, Now I'm I'm fixated on going back and researching Ted Williams again. We won. We won. (laughs) We won. Put this one in the books. We won it.